0: Lord, we do thank you so much for your goodness, God. We thank you for being here right now. God, we thank you for worship. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that, Lord, you love us so much, God, more than we can really conceive. But we thank you for the depths of your love, God, that moves us, that that draws us here today and just brings us into worship because of your love. And God, thank you so much for you. And so, God, as we now move on into the study of your word. Jesus, I pray you bless your word, you anoint it with your spirit, and that you continue to use your word to speak to our hearts, Lord, and change our lives. So we ask for your Holy Spirit to be here now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated And if you can grab your Bibles, open them up to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Uh, Today we're going to go into the throne room in heaven. And that's the title of our message this morning, the throne room in heaven. And we're returning once again to Revelation chapter 4. Now, according to the Guinness World Records, the largest palace in the world is in the country of Brunei on the island of Borneo in Southeast Asia. It's home to the Sultan Hassanal Bolkiah, and it was completed in 1984. Listen, at the cost of 1.4 billion dollars. So you can imagine. How lavish and how extravagant this, uh, palace is. Inside a palace, it's the palace which is called Istana Nuru Iman. Uh, it's inside there, it's 2.2 million square foot of space. It houses 1,788 rooms, 257 bathrooms. I guess there's no shortage of bathrooms. Uh, Air-conditioned stable for 200 polo ponies. 110 garages for 7,000 cars. Uh, There's a banqueting hall for 5,000 guests. There's a large mosque inside of this also. There's five swimming pools. This palace houses 564 chandeliers. Uh, 51,000 light bulbs. I thought that was an interesting fact. Like I wonder who counted all that but I'd hate to change the light bulbs in there. 44 stairwells and 18 elevators. Now central though to the palace is a very large throne room and, and that's if we can get that picture on the screen. There's actually a throne room. It's a very large one. You can see that it houses many people and there's Chairs, a throne there and uh, other chairs for leaders and all next to that. But in this throne room, in this very large palace, uh, the proclamations are given like in in any throne room. Formal occasions are held and, and also here... All government business is conducted as well as major decisions are made. So you can say that this throne room you see pictured here is command central for this whole country. Well, I say all this because I want to put into your minds as we continue our study here in the book of Revelation, we begin to get a peek in what's going on in heaven right before the tribulation begins on earth. And John writes on what he saw when he looked into heaven's really command central. When he looked into the throne room in heaven. And that's what I want to put into your minds as we get into the rest of this chapter here in Revelation 4. Our title, once again, The Throne Room in Heaven, and we're going to be studying Revelation chapter 4 from verse 2 through 11. We just looked at verse 1 last week, but now we're going to finish off the rest of this chapter. As we see, and this is our outline, number one, The Throne Room Or, I'm sorry, the splendor of God, our outline. Number two, the scenery of beings. And number three, the sounds of worship. So let's begin here. The first thing we're going to look at is the splendor of God in our outline. The splendor of God. Now here, take a look with me with verse two and three, and that's what we're going to cover in this section. It reads here in Revelation chapter 4 verse 2, At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And verse 3, And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and uh, carnelian, and around the throne was a robe that had the appearance of an emerald. So we'll stop here. Now we begin here in this chapter, in chapter 4, we begin how, with how the John the Apostle was Instantly in the spirit. At once, he says, immediately I was in the spirit. Now that's talking about how the holy spirit gave him this vision of heaven like once right away god is giving him this vision matter of fact this was after right in what we saw in verse one of this chapter after jesus calls john up to come into heaven and instantly in the spirit there he is in, in in heaven by the holy spirit and this is all after these things, that was the title of our message last week. You can catch that online or on our podcast later on our youtube channel, but it 's after Jesus had called him up, and after all that, here 's John in heaven and center stage right away. what he sees in verse two is a throne that stood in heaven, and one seated on The throne. And who is that one? Well, we know this is the Almighty God who is sitting on the throne in heaven. Now, John goes on in verse 3 to describe now that God who is sitting on the throne. He starts describing using colors of these beautiful gemstones. And he really names three of them here in this instance in chapter 4. And he begins in chapter 3 and he said, He who sat there, the Almighty God, had the appearance of, first of all, jasper. Now, jasper is a crystal clear gemstone. It's kind of like a diamond. Back then, it, it was that. That type of stone. And so you can imagine this pure light shining emanating from God sitting on the throne. The second gemstone he, he uses is carnelian. Uh, some of your translations may say sar- sardis or sar- sardian or something like that. Um, that's, that's actually this ruby red color of a stone. So mixed in with this crystal clear light is sort of this deep red hue now, perhaps it's showing that God is that consuming fire like in Deuteronomy chapter 4.24. Perhaps that's what's being shown here, described here. And then lastly, in verse 3, we see that there's an emerald hue coming out from the throne. And here, as it says, uh, was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald coming out all around the throne. Now, I like how... Uh, The NLT translates this. It gives us a good picture. It says, The glow of an emerald circled His throne like a rainbow. So it could be this green speaks of God's authority over all the earth. Now, different commentators have different uh, speculations on what these colors exactly mean. But I was thinking in context of this passage, this chapter, that perhaps all of this is showing how great, almighty, and, his, and sovereign the Lord is. So I feel like John describes God in all of His majesty and power. And John sees that splendor of God coming out as he's ushered right into heaven there in this vision. Now, of course, words cannot describe God's glory. Words cannot describe the splendor of God. And I think the best way John could do that was using these precious jewels of the earth to describe an indescribable God. Now, think of it this way. Kings of the earth, they had great, palaces right as i showed you they had great thrones uh set up right they had lavish and there there was but the splendor that comes out from god is himself it's not so much that room or the throne itself but it's himself of who he is and just like a throne like throne rooms reflect the sovereignty the power the position of the king well, God here shows He is the supreme ruler of all things, and and that's what I want you to get here with these gemstones, with these colors and and all. You know, it's interesting that um, the gemstones of jasper and carnelian are the first and last uh, gemstones on the priest's bread, breastplate in. Uh, the Old Testament, like Exodus twenty-eight seventeen through 20. And I think it represents God's authority. Not only the tribes of Israel did these gemstones represent, but here from the first tribe to the last, I think it represents God's authority and relationship over Israel and how the priests would wear that. They were the spiritual leaders there and it represented how God is an authority. And I think here we see that God is giving this image this splendor to show us that he's in authority he's ruling he's in power even through the tribulation years you see what happens on earth in the tribulation actually starts here in chapter 4 this is command central here this this is this is what's going on in heaven before the whole world falls apart and we see that god is still Sitting on the throne. So get that image here right now. You know, what we see here, the Almighty God on the throne, is just as what we see in what Isaiah saw. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Uh, Micaiah, another prophet, in First Kings twenty-two nineteen, said this: "I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all the hosts of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left." And then the psalmist wrote in Psalm forty-seven eight: "God reigns over the nations; God sits on his holy throne." So this is what I want you to capture first thing right now as we we're getting into this last section of the book of revelation as we get into where things are going to start unfolding and the the events and the climactic events that are going to happen during through the tribulation years the first thing we find is this scene that all the splendor and majesty here saying one thing god is still on the throne and rules in all authority do you get that receive that see that in your own hearts and minds you know i was thinking about the country singer uh, garth brooks has a song called unanswered prayers and in that song he calls god the man upstairs well the thing is god is not some man right or human being with all our limitations, with all our our, our restrictions as human beings. He's not that. He's not some man upstairs, you know, up, up in the room up there. That's not who God is. God is the supreme ruler of the whole universe. God in all of His splendor and majesty is seen here. And it's emanating from Him, not His throne room, not like kings of the earth, not like... Men who rule on earth, God is on the throne, and He rules over everything in all authority you know what's interesting the greek and the romans they they took that man upstairs thinking to the extreme right i mean remember how they would take their gods and make them like human beings attributes of human beings they get angry they're jealous they make mistakes they're weak in certain areas right but that's not god god is not like this god is the almighty lord and king who rules with power and authority so be reminded today. And, and I'll tell you, don't even use those terms. Yeah, oh, the man upstairs, you know, oh, the big man, you know, kind of thing. And sometimes we hear that. Sometimes we may use that. But let's not use those terms because we believe that God is the almighty God, the supreme ruler of everything, of the whole universe. And so you may be still in the middle of some troubles and problems going on. Well, know this. God is still on the throne though. Maybe you've been feeling it this week. There's spiritual forces in the spiritual battle trying to bring you down, trying to tempt you away from God, bringing in doubt and fear. But you know what? God is still on the throne. You may be overwhelmed with stress and, and, and worry and things going on. And, and, and maybe that this, this feeling is creeping into you and you just feel, feel darkness or you, you feel this, this, this unknown is coming and, and you're at a loss and your are so feeling insecure. Know this today and what we read here in verse 2 and 3, that God is still on the throne. So if if there's anything to take home today, take that home to your heart. And whatever you go through this week, whatever you're going through today, know this, God is still on the throne. And find comfort as we look into the throne room in heaven. Let's go on to number two now. The scenery of beings. The scenery of beings. We've seen the splendor of God. And the next thing we're going to see is this scenery, the scene of these beings around the throne. So beginning in verse 4, we're going to cover verse 4 through 7. But first of all, verse 4, it says, And, or it says, Around the throne were 24 thrones and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. So now we we kind of look now john is giving us a little pan of what's around the throne room here and what's around the throne and there was 24 other thrones i would say lesser thrones yeah because god is the one who's ruling and reigning he's central to all of this well sitting on these lesser thrones is 24 elders they're seated right there around god's throne. So, who are these elders who who are these that are sitting there what what 's it talking about here now? what did john see well there 's a lot of uh, 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 ideas on what this the, who these are I mean some say first of all, these are angels around the throne. Some say that well no they, these are twelve of the heads of Israel and twelve the twelve apostles that are sitting there and that that kind of makes sense in in, in in a way but then Others say this, that there are 24 elders chosen really to sit there as elders of all the believers of the church who've been saved in Christ Jesus. Now, you can study this on on your own. And, and for years I thought, oh yeah, maybe it makes sense. It's, it's, it's Israel, you know, the head, head guys in Israel, the 12 tribes, or or it's, um, and, the, and it's the 12 apostle guys. But you know, Lately, I've been leaning to the interpretation that these are actually 24 elders, these these uh, believers who've been saved, now now glorified. They've been chosen to sit on these seats. They're leaders, so to speak. They're elders. They're representing. All the believers who have been saved. Now, I say this because it's kind of interesting. Where they're first of all, we see them in verse four. They're clothed in white garments, and and as we go through the book of Revelation, we're going to be seeing scenes in heaven. Those who have been robed in these white garments, and and I believe, as we've been seeing even in the letters to the churches, that it speaks of the righteousness of Christ that we have in salvation, uh, in in Jesus now. And so I feel like that's the, the robes, you know, that we're going to have as believers. We'll have the righteousness of Christ. We'll be have our glorified bodies. We'll be able to be in heaven because of the righteousness of Jesus. And that's the white garments. And then the other thing on top of their heads is golden crowns now the interesting thing about this is the word crowns here is the greek word stephanos which is the same word that is used in the new testament where we are to what run our race right and we're going to receive this crown that that wreath that prize yeah back then in ancient times in their olympic games that's that's their gold medal And so that's the same word here that believers will receive that Paul talked about, that Jesus talked about. Like back with with the church of Sardis in in, uh, Revelation 2.10. He said, um, at the end, I will give you the crown, the Stephanus of life. That's that reward, right? And, I, I, and so I think that these guys are actually 24 believers, elders, been chosen to sit here on these thrones around the throne of God. But again, you can study that on on your own. But that's what makes sense to me as I feel like John sees 24 elders who represent believers in Jesus. Now, with that thought, take note here. If you have these 24 elders who represent all believers in Jesus and these believers are clothed in the righteousness of Christ and these believers are wearing their crowns that uh, we've, we've read and studied in the New Testament then you know what? You have the church in heaven before the tribulation. Which means the rapture happens before the tribulation. And I think it just flows with what we studied last week in uh, verse 1 of of chapter 4 in Revelation when Jesus says, I will show you what must take place. What? After this. After the church is taken home. So, just a thought in there. But, You can study on your own but that's how i'm beginning to see these things verse five now verse five the next thing we see from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire which are the seven spirits of god so now john he describes there's there's lightning flashes of lightning rumbling thunder coming out and and i just get this feeling i don't know about you of of awesome power here right and and then he sees seven torches there around the throne and 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 what is that what's these seven torches burning before the throne What is it? Well, we're told here in verse 5, they're the seven spirits of God. Now, we've covered that back in chapter 1, how seven being the number of completion, this represents the complete and full work of the Holy Spirit. And I would have to say with this fire burning, it speaks of the power of the moving of the Holy Spirit here going on around before the throne. So John sees the Holy Spirit here as a powerful presence now, emanating coming out from the throne. this is God right? The Holy Spirit is God also it's the presence of God in a powerful way with the lightning and thunders. I'll tell you this scene, of what John saw must have reminded John of what is written in Exodus 19. Do you remember where God filled the surrounding of Mount Sinai with thunder and flashes of lightning? And there on Mount Sinai we was, was really what Israel saw was a visible manifestation of the invisible presence and power of God. So that's what I I. I, I Feel here. That's what I see here as John describes the Holy Spirit and the flashes and lightning there. And then verse six and seven. Verse six says, And before the throne there as it we kind of zoom out a little bit, and in this scene we see this before the throne this 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 like 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 on the floor of the throne this sea of crystal glass so the the throne room floor is like glass right there it, it just looks like a, a just piece of glass sitting there, and then we see on each side of the throne there's four living creatures now Ezekiel describes some similar creatures like this, these living beings, and he calls them, Ezekiel, cherubim. Cherubim. You probably heard that. This is Ezekiel 10, uh, verse 15. Or it seems like these are the same beings that Isaiah saw in Isaiah chapter 6, and he called them seraphim. So they could be the same uh, beings here, but these living beings, these living creatures, you know what they are? They're angels. They're high level angels. They're always right there next to God. They're close to God. They're, 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 they're ready to do the most important of tasks that God gives these angels. There's all kinds of angels that do things, but these are the highest level ones. They're right there close to God. And these powerful beings will play and will see a big role in the judgment to come in the time of the tribulation. Now, notice there's some strangeness with these angels. They have eyes in front and behind. And commentators say, well, it speaks about how nothing escapes their observation. Perhaps they're always attentive. I like to think of it this way. They're attentive and aware of what's going on and ready to do whatever God wants. They're just always ready no matter what. And they had like different faces on these angels. Now, Ezekiel seems to describe that one angel had all these uh, faces, but here it seems to have each angel had a different face. I don't know. Is there a contradiction? I don't know. Maybe what John saw, they were only facing certain ways, right? You know, um, each angel was was facing certain ways to have a certain face uh, coming toward John. But either way, uh there's different faces and 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 commentators we we don't know exactly what this means but they seem to uh speculate that perhaps the face of the lion represents strength the face of the calf represents service the face of a man represents Reason in the face of an eagle represents speed, so it could be that each of these faces represent uh, the capability how these angels will serve God, how they serve God in that way, and so it's interesting though these main angels are with these faces or different faces are right there next to God. you know uh, no, another interesting fact is Israel camped under four banners with these same four images interesting thought so john sees powerful cherubim standing ready to serve god in what's to come they are part of the scenery of being staged all around the throne room of god so kind of start to put that picture into your mind now i was thinking about these cherubim you know when they were first mentioned They're first mentioned in actually Genesis chapter three when they were tasked to guard, right, the entrance of the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve sin. So they were like, you know, guards kind of thing. They also appeared, as I mentioned, in Ezekiel's vision, pending the judgment upon the earth. So when we come into the book of Revelation, we see these cherubim right there, close to God, right there, standing there. It makes sense because you know what? In Revelation chapter 6, we're going to see that a cherubim calls forth the rider of the white horse. In Revelation 6, 6, they decree economic disaster upon the world. And in Revelation 15, they hand out the bold judgments to seven other angels who will pour that judgment upon the world. So these, are, these guys are high-level angels, and if I bring that into the picture, then you see here this amazing scene. See, these angels and God on the throne now, everything is getting ready for the tribulation to come upon the earth. This is all like preparation before the tribulation begins. This is what's going on at Command Central here in the throne room of God. That's why God has a start here in chapter 4 in heaven. I mean, um, this is what we're seeing here. This This is what's going on in Command Central before anything happens. So this scene in heaven's throne room is in preparation to what is coming next when the judgment falls. This scene in heaven, heaven's throne room, is in preparation to what is coming next when judgment falls. It's going to unfold to us here. You you know, one time, um, I was a little late coming home from a a meeting, and when I walked into the door, it was actually kind of good timing because Kristen had just set the table for dinner, the family was already seated around the table, and they were just getting ready to pray, you know, and say grace for the food. And everything was set up for the next event, right? To pray and eat. And hey, I walked in perfect. I j- just sit, pray, and I could eat. And I was hungry too at that time. Well, perhaps we're hungry for what's going to happen next year. Perhaps you're hungry to study this book of Revelation. That's why you're here. That's why you're connected online. Perhaps perhaps you're like, oh, I want to get to the nitty gritty here. And you're thinking, come on, Rick. I want to get to that good part. You know, I I want to get to the destruction of the earth. Yeah. I I want to get to the meteors coming down and the devastation of what's going to happen, the earthquakes, the demons that are going to come up out of the earth, the rise of the Antichrist and what he's going to do. I, I want to get to that. But be reminded, what happens on earth begins with the scene in heaven. Next week we're going to get into chapter 5. We're going to still be in heaven. We're, there's an amazing thing that's going to happen with Christ and I believe the deed of the earth. These things are in preparation what's to come and God is preparing us. And sometimes we want to just sit down and eat, but there's things that we got to do and see first. Cuz see God wants to, us to see what happens in command central to help us understand what happens in the coming tribulation so he's preparing us he's setting us to see god he's still there on the throne he's in control and there's a plan and process in all of this that is going on which to me brings up the question are you prepared are you prepared i mean this scene in heaven's throne room is preparation to what's coming next the judgment. So, are you prepared for the judgment to come? You know, even if some of these things, like Virginia, doesn't make sense, even if, uh, Rick, I still don't understand what 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 you're saying here. Now, I, I'm doing my best here, and 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 we could spend a lot of time here. But I'm trying to go on. And I could tell you what a lot of different things that. People speculate on what it is, but I'm going to give you the best of what I think and, and what from the Bible and other scriptures and all. But even if it doesn't make sense, know this. What makes sense is this time is coming. What makes sense is that we need to have our heart prepared. What makes sense is, you know, time is running out. And, and what makes sense is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins to save us from our sins, but to also save us from the judgment to come that's what makes sense and so if you're not right with god you need to get right with god if you're logged on right now connected online you're watching this right now you need to get right with god you need the the white garments you need to be be clothed with the robes of righteousness and god will have a crown ready for you too you need christ's atonement and you need to come to jesus christ right now today Perhaps you're here, perhaps you're logged in, and, and you know that. Perhaps maybe you've, you've drifted away from God. Well, it's time to come back and get right with God. As, as we're looking into the throne as room, as we see God still working, God still having a plan, God is still here, and these events are going to uh, unfold, we need to come to Jesus. And we need to have His salvation, and we need to give Him our life, and we need to really start living with him and have him in our heart because hey time's running out and we need to prepare ourselves now you know in a, a few months right i think from june to november is like hurricane season right and every year we're supposed to prepare right uh, uh, get things ready just in case you know if if things happen sometimes we drag our feet sometimes there's years i've gone through a whole hurricane season without yeah and then what happens when Oh no, we we get the hurricane watches and the warnings and all of a sudden, whoa, comes, one is come barreling down. We start praying really hard and then we run to the store and everything's gone because we didn't prepare ahead of time. But you know what? There's a time that is coming for sure. Yeah, We're in a season right now that we need to be ready because it's coming. It's coming. It's not just, well, it might be here. Which one is, is the watches that might be here? might come in the warnings the other remember one or the other right but one is saying no it's it's coming we need to be on that kind of alert and we need to be right with jesus today and live for him these things they're going to happen this in heaven's throne room is preparation for what's coming next and so we need to do the same as we Get a glimpse of what's inside the throne room in heaven. So let's go to number three now. The sounds of worship. We've seen the splendor of God, the scenery of beings surrounding the throne, and now the sounds of 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 worship here. And here we're going to finish up the rest of this chapter. But begin we begin with verse eight. It says here, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So John finishes up writing about these living creatures, the cherubim. And he, 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 he makes a comment again of their eyes all around, seeing it all. But they have six wings here six wings. Interesting, right? It's not like our typical traditional image of an angel with two wings. These guys have six wings. And it makes me think about how uh, there were six wings uh, when Isaiah uh, 6 saw his seraphim around the throne, the angels around the throne there. They had six wings also. And in Isaiah 6, it was described in this way. And I believe that that most of of the wings were related to worship. For example, in Isaiah, it talks about how with two wings, the angels are covered their face. They cannot uh, gaze at the holy glory of God, so they're they're like humbled before the Lord in worship. With two wings, they covered their feet because they cannot stand on the holy ground. And then with two wings, the angel flew. And that's how they did God's work. So you can say two out of the three sets of wings were dedicated really in worship, really in in acknowledging God and who He is. So here's these cherubim, and day and night there, constantly in heaven, if they're not doing God's bidding, right? They are worshiping God, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Notice, three times they say holy, emphasizing God's holiness as they worship. And and I I like this term again, right, in verse 8 where it says, uh, holy, holy, the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, which really speaks of the eternalness of God, that He has no beginning. He has no end in the future. He is eternal. He is the eternal one. So they worship the eternal God who is awesome in His holiness and power. I think it's interesting that the attribute of God's holy power is really being brought out here, just as in Isaiah, where they cry out, holy, holy, holy. Now, you'll never find in the Bible any other attribute of God being described in this way, like love, 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 or God is just, 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 or kind, 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 or patient, patient, patient. I mean, He is. He is just. He, he, one of His attributes, He is love. He's gracious. He's patient with us. He's kind. But only in the Bible we see this attribute, holy, holy, holy holy, right, is the Lord God, that holiness is repeated three times to emphasize the essence of who God is. You see, the word holy means set apart, which really speaks of how God is totally unique, utterly distinct, fully set apart from anything and everything that we know. There is no one like God. Him. That's the term we'll use or the Bible talks about, about, right? That's the main thing we got to see God as. He's set apart, lifted up, holy. There is no one like Him. Well, we go on here in verse 9 now. And it says, And whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to Him uh, who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the Eternal One, Then look at verse 10. The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. So now when the cherubim lead heaven basically in worship and they cry, Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. Then we see in this scene the 24 elders that were seated on the throne, they fall down. Now the word means they're prostrate on their faces. They get off their thrones and they just fall down before the Almighty God and they worship the eternal one also. And they worship with, and here's that term we use today at the end of verse 10, 10, they cast their crowns before the throne. So they take off those crowns and they put it down before God in worship. Now, casting your crown before the throne, you know what that means? That means they acknowledge who God is, the Almighty God. That they're really not kings. They're actually servants of the living God. They're just elders. They're under the Lord God Almighty. And so they take that crown saying we're not really rulers here, but you are, and acknowledge God and humble themselves before the Lord God Almighty. And they acknowledge and that their position is nothing really i mean how did they get there anyway god appointed them god chose them how did they get there anyway how do us believers get our crown anyway well for serving god being faithful to him running our race but how do we finish our race and receive this crown this prize this gold medal because of god right He's the one who's helped us. He's the one who saved us, even putting us in the race, even uh, freeing us from our bondage of our flesh and sin. So they worship the Lord, casting their crowns, giving Him all glory and power, honor. He's the powerful one. That's what it means. We give you power, God. God. For God is the creator of everything. And everything exists because He willed it. Because He's the one who brought it to be. And even by His grace caused us to be alive. To be a being. To be able to be saved and know Him. To be able to serve and walk with Him. So this is the sounds of worship. And this is what it's all about. It's about God and His greatness. Eric Alexander said, God is not the great I was. He is the great I am. And I love that. Who was, who is, who is to come. God continually and forever will be the great I am, the Almighty God over us. So lastly, we find this, all of heaven bows down to worship the powerful Holy Creator who willed all, all of this to exist. Think about that. Yeah, He's the one who willed it. He's the one who desired it. I mean, we, just for that very fact that we're alive, that should cause us to worship Him. Just the very fact that there's no one like Him, that he, He's the exalted one. He's the eternal one. We should just worship Him just for that fact. I mean, let alone He saved us. Let alone He works in our lives. But He's the one who is God god alone so all heaven bows down to worship the powerful holy creator who willed all of this to exist you know I, i was thinking about when sometimes people come up to me and they say oh thank you for the message oh that really spoke to me and usually you'll hear this response usually i say oh praise the lord thank you very much you know why because first i want to acknowledge that it's not me it's god i would not be here without jesus I would still be unsaved. I'd be still in my sins and in bondage. And even after I was saved, I would never thought of me doing this here that I'm doing here or standing here right now. It's God who's worked in my life. And what I'm sharing with you, it's God who helped me put all this together and and give you this food, right? It's God. It's all of God. It's not me. So I say, praise the Lord. I give God glory. But I do appreciate, you know, your comments. and So so I, I say, thank you. Now, I, I do want to say, if any bad comes out or I say mistakes or stuff up here or, you know, I, or anything I do, even in this ministry, that's me. <laughs> All right, But any good, any fruit, any transformation of lives, that's God. That's the Lord. And that's how I cast my crown before the Lord. It's not me. So let us cast our crowns before God and worship Him, let us cast our crowns before our God who saved us, who 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 transformed us, who's here right now, changing us and making us into the people He wants us to be. That's the that's a Holy Spirit. That's God's work, not nothing we've done. So understand that. That's how we cast our crowns don't hold on to that crown and be proud of your own accomplishments or don't parade around your crown you know oh look what look how much money i have now today or look at my job look how i've risen up in my career that was me no it was god working in you don't parade around like oh see my crown see no way we cast our crowns like these elders. I mean, they are set in a position. We don't know exactly who they are. They are put there by God in these lesser thrones, around the throne of God. I mean, what a privilege and honor. You when it comes time to worship God, they step down, they fall on their faces, and they say, praise the Lord. Praise you, God, because it's you. It's you. I cast my crown before you. It's God who has done all of this in our life, hasn't it? In first corinthians fifteen ten the first part, Paul said, "But by the grace of God, I am what I am. He's the one who created me. He's the one who saved me. yeah, I exist only because of him because he willed it. Who am I to think? Yeah, the pottery, right, the clay, oh, look what I didn't know, God formed it all, and so be careful as we close up here that you don't set up your quote-unquote crown and worship it like one idol. Be careful of that. Be careful. I mean, have you been preoccupied with your own accomplishments? Have you been like putting confidence in, in yourself? You know, sometimes like we get in a bad place or maybe even we're, we're, or I I was thinking about this, sometimes, you know, when when we're not feeling well, or, you know, we're like praying, oh Lord, please heal me, please help me, you know. Uh, um, I was talking to someone uh, who had contracted the virus, and oh, they they were down, but they were praying, and and now they feel better, but I was thinking about how sometimes we, in those times, we call out to God, yeah, God, help me, help me, He comes, and He does miracles, He helps us, He saves us, and then we walk away from there and go, oh yeah, I feel good now, and then, we have this confidence in ourselves when all along we should have been relying upon God anyway. We hold that crown like, ah, it's me. But in reality, it's God, right? Be careful that we don't make an idol of those things. Every good thing we have, every good thing we are, it's only because of the grace of God. It's all of, it's all of Him. So don't miss this, you guys. Don't be so naive to think that God isn't really involved in your life. Um, I'll close with this. Um, The first Soviet Union astronauts who went to the moon and came back to earth, you know what they said when they got back? We've been to space. We've been to the heavens. And we didn't see God. Someone said, well, if they took their helmet off in space, they'd see God. (laughs) But sometimes we don't go far enough, you guys. Sometimes we see, oh yeah, yeah, where, where's God, you know? And we think it's us. Sometimes we set up idols in our own life, of our own thinking, our own ideology, of our own principles. Yeah, this is it, this is You know what? That God put those things there. He's the one who made you. He's the one who's leading you. And sometimes we get so proud of our crowns that we miss that it was the almighty god who did it all when we put our idols on our I mean our eyes on our idols on our crowns you know what we're like these astronauts our eyes are too low yeah <laughs> our eyes are looking too low no god is the one who's been working and so we need to look up look up child look up to the creator our maker who's ruling reigning over all things He's the one who's holy and powerful, who has created all these things and willed it into existence. And He's the one who's sitting there in the throne room in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, as we are humbled right now of this scene, God, Lord, we fall on our faces, so to speak, God. We fall prostrate before You, humbled by seeing You, the ruling and reigning in all of Your splendor, God. We see the beings around the throne, God. We see the Holy Spirit in power, Lord. We see it as the Holy Spirit who had been working in our lives all, all along. We see the angels who acknowledge You, these powerful, incredible beings, Lord. They worship You. And they acknowledge You as being holy, holy, holy. No one like You. The Supreme One. We see the elders as they represent us there, casting their crowns on their faces, Lord, before you, worshiping you also. And so, God, we worship you right now. Lord, help us to stop lifting ourselves up, but to humble ourselves before you and cast our crowns before you, God. Help us to acknowledge that you are the one who's made us who we are today. And it is by the grace of God I am what i am all glory goes to you jesus and i thank you for being in my life we thank you for transforming us lord we thank you for saving us and so jesus today we bow down and we give you worship and we say from our own lips holy 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 is the lord god almighty in jesus name amen let's all stand